0: Hello, listening people. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 indeed, Mr. Santa Claus. How are you doing on these holidays? Good, Santa Claus number two. Oh, I'm a real stinker, aren't I? Because I'm a <laughs> big old number two in your eyes. Th- and
1: uh, sometimes I like to call you Ryan,
0: don't I-, I? And sometimes I like to call you Bark-Tech, because can you bark at everyone? That's his name. It's... So you say you like
1: to call me bark
0: But I love to call you bark Wow, so every time
1: I hear you say my name i'll know that you're really
0: enjoying it i love you man dude thanks. that's a movie by the way i that's love really you cool. man i think that movie has uh, that's it's like a, a comedy film right J- jason siegel i want to say and it's a, a bromance movie You remember when bromance was like a popular comedy form where it was like the gag was two men have a really tight-knit relationship that's almost like they're gay ha 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 that was that was a joke yeah. did, did you love that joke
1: so is that what we're retitling the description of the podcast?
0: <laughs> we get into the murky waters of being so those who are not gay. So I remember and years,
1: years ago. I remember years ago my dad looked at the description. He was like, Oh, it's not very, you know, descriptive, not very catchy. Maybe we should write something else we can do that
0: okay uh the welcome to spit and polish presents a podcast hosted by two gentlemen of polish descent one of which has a dad that doesn't like the description but he's a guy with so many toilets in his house that he's full <laughs> of shit oh got your bartex dad what are you gonna do what are you gonna do listen what are you gonna do come over here and get me you can't handle that. I think the
1: first thing I have got one to.
0: toilet in my house, and you're going to be flushing all the way down in it with your attitude, Mister. I think the <laughs>
1: first podcast of ours he listened to was the Q and A. Not even a review.
0: Not even a review. We should he should have asked us a question, mm. such I know- as, "Could you guys please tell us about your show in more extraneous detail?" I
1: remember he when he noticed that we did Black Adder, he was interested in that. I don't know if he ended up listening to it.
0: Well, people, you are listening to something right now. A show where we talk about movies. Movies, that's right. Like Black Remember Adder. those? Well, Blackadder had Back and Forth. We talked about Black and Forth in that episode. Black and Forth? That's what you said. You said, we did talk about Black and Forth in that episode. Did I? Yeah, you, you slipped the tongue there. I'll it was le- a faux I'll, I'll let you gaslight me. <laughs> people, listen back to the tape. Sometimes Bartek <laughs> makes mistakes. Sometimes in my, in my he's, head. I, he's fallible.
1: In my head, I believe that I said that movie, but maybe I did say Black and Forth. Black
0: and Forth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Black Annie, Planny. <laughs>
1: Blanny. That was you.
0: <laughs> is that the best throwaway comment I've ever made on the podcast? Is just casually calling that film Planny? Because every single time I've said it, you or anyone else gives a little, come See, on. See,
1: I, I feel kind of indifferent to it. i just like, oh, it's the name Ryan likes. But every time you say it to someone, they always react really weirdly. I'm like, because oh. It's They're those, really noticing. Because
0: it's one of those where when you say Blatty, you go, what? And then you say, you know, the Black Annie. Then they go, of course, yeah, Blatty. Like, there's an acceptance to it. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what you would call it. Because who wants to call it Annie 2014? Who wants to call it Cameron Diaz's retirement film? Annie. No one no one. So we are talking about a holiday film, a Christmas movie, because as we record this and release this, it will all be around that festive time and so we wanted to make sure to give all of you listening people out there a bit of that uh, zest that comes around this time of year. And Bartek, you recommended the movie so could you please tell everyone what movie you recommended and why you recommended it? Just give people a recap on your struggles yes. of picking this.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the film that I recommended is a French film with a French title, which I don't have in front of me, but the localised title is Santa Claus is a Stinker from 1982, I believe. Um, I talked a little bit last episode when I recommended this film uh, that I... It felt kind of thrust upon me last minute because I didn't notice that I would be picking the Christmas episode, the Christmas film. Yeah, because
0: literally if we recorded on the usual days we record, we would be recording on Christmas Day. And then the episode that would be my recommendation would be... After Christmas, by a day or two. Yes. So then it was like, like, like well, Bart, like, you <laughs> have to recommend the Christmas movie. It's in that awkward period where it's like, well, it's a, little, it's a bit before Christmas. Yeah. And I'm
1: not only kind of pressed for Christmas movies, but it fell on my self-imposed challenge of pick a non-American film. So I had to come up with a non-American Christmas film to pick, and I only had like seven days.
0: And um, you've already picked your big one.
1: And I looked and i found a polish film it didn't look all that amazing but it was popular had many sequels and stuff like that and i thought like oh Mm. it'd be fun to you know give us a gift and actually do a polish film and i just could not find it anywhere not on streaming not even on torrents just Mm. well there were some of course we
0: we wouldn't we wouldn't use torrents for anything that's illegal and it's immoral in fact don't do it children Or else the popos—that's short for police—I learned that from Friday After Next, one of the Christmas movies we did. uh, Will get you, and you don't want that. You don't want that. You said it, not me. Um, yeah, I I just could not find it, and so I had to
1: think up an alternative. Because for days I was like, "I will find this. This will be it." And then, like, I think it was the day before we recorded the last episode. I'm like, "I, "I can't do it." And like the first two or three hours after waking up, like I was just miserably trying to find some other films like okay what's something interesting that we can do and i remember i was tossing up about like a hong kong film Mm. this sounds good but i could not find it anywhere because its title was just merry christmas and you know that's not very distinctive not even it's like chinese name worked
0: wow you what you needed to do was call a suicide hotline around (laughs) christmas time and they would recommend you Santa Claus is a stinker. And there were these two films on Netflix. One of
1: them was, like, Spanish, and I think the other was Italian. I'm like, oh, these, these sound funny, but, like, their ratings seemed really low, and all the people was, that reviewed them seemed, like, you know, miserable. It's like, oh, all films like this from this country of this type are like this. So I thought like, uh, ah, feels a bit bottom of the barrel. Let's yeah. find something else. And then this one seemed like a good middle ground where, one, I could actually find it. Um, it had a decent rating. It was French. I don't know that we've done
0: We've never covered uh, a fully French film. We've had films that circle around France yeah. and involve and we will talk about that and specifically with this it, one. Yeah. Um and yeah, it just
1: seemed to like hit all the notes of like, okay, it's got all these elements. It's a non American Christmas film, it's a comedy film, it's got this interesting sort of premise and it sounds like mm-hmm. it'll be wacky, you know, it could be a good time and it seems to have like a sort of Cult fandom. Mm,
0: yeah. And so you gave us Santa Claus is a stinker. And we recommend for you people out there to search for this film yourself and give it a watch. It's a Christmas comedy film, really dark comedy film yeah. and absurdist. But it is one that, if I have to give you a quick summary before we get into the full details, and again, we're going to spoil things, it all revolves around during this Christmas time, during Christmas. Day, or Christmas Eve, I should yeah. say, is uh it's it's all situated around this suicide hotline uh, uh agency, I guess, or office. Yeah. And a bunch of comedy antics ensue. People come over it's to the It's the Christmas shift of this hotline. One of the people gets trapped in the elevator right out front. There's oh we get a cavalcade of characters that bring more problems and more problems and more problems, and it's up to our leads to work it all out without dying themselves. And, and so that yeah, is and, and the you're rough following pitch.
1: it. You're following it also roughly in like real time. Like mm. there are a few indications of like, oh, you know, two hours have passed mm. here, but it, it feels very like natural. This is like the evening
0: yeah so that is it Santa Claus is a stinker you and I not familiar with this we both have a similar history other than you were the one that had to find this so that's what you went over I didn't know what to expect I I even scolded you in the end of last episode for telling me what was on the poster you were like oh that's a a picture of this on the poster I'm like don't don't tell me all I know is the, the the name of it and I didn't even know if that was going to mean a comedy because we know a bunch of foreign films specifically from the Czech Republic or Czechoslovakia that have these very silly little titles, but that doesn't mm. necessarily mean they're out-and-out out comedies all the time. Yeah. So Santa Claus is a stinker. Also read as a English translation title. I imagine that's not what its direct translation is. In fact, that isn't. It says so in the trivia. And also when we watch the movie, there is no utterance, is there, of Santa Claus is a stinker? There is a, v- there's a close. Yeah. There's like someone
1: says like, oh, Santa Claus is a real shithead or something like that.
0: And there's things of that nature. So. That is basically all I've got in terms of walking in. I didn't know what to expect. I I thought Christmas and I actually did wonder if Santa was going to be in the film. Mm -hmm. I had wondered that because you mentioned that there was a picture of Santa Claus on the poster uh, or something relating to Santa himself. And I just went, okay... I don't. I don't even remember I, who it was on the
1: poster.
0: It was like kids marking out. That's pictures. all I remember. Yeah. Like a
1: little girl on a ladder, like paint,
0: like graffitiing Santa
1: Claus as a stinker. That's all I remember.
0: And I was wondering, is he going to be in this movie? I was and, wondering if the little girl was. And <laughs> then we start the film, and I thought, oh, this is going to be following Jim Belushi in jingle all the way where in the film jingle all the way jim belushi is a santa claus at a mall or public events and he is a crook and he runs these illegal hustles and he's a piece of shit and he has a brotherhood of other santa claus and because we open the movie with a crooked santa claus and doing hustles and shady shit he's like advertising
1: a striptease joint or something
0: and there are other santa claus and they all team up and there's a whole vibe to it so i was thrown for a loop in that minor moment but then eventually the film presented itself to me and i realized oh this is going to be a full ensemble of characters that we're going to have and there's going to be this character going to come in and out in and out and It was very much like a play.
1: Yeah, I I thought it was... I had a similar experience. I'm like, oh, we're following this, like, you know, wisecracking guy, which kind of reminded me of, like, Gora, where Uh the main character of that was, like, this wisecracking, like, rug salesman who was, like, swindling people. You know, this is a guy working as like a you know dressed as Santa but adver- advertising a strip joint getting into fights with people like you know hitting a kid <laughs> and constantly he's like a kleptomaniac when he's running away <laughs> um so i'm like okay so our main character is going to be you know this you know low life kind of character um then we meet the suicide hotline people and it feels like oh okay so it's going to be like intersecting stories like jumping back and forth yeah. what i wasn't expecting was like the the second group of people we met were actually, like, the central main characters that everything will revolve around. And
0: this guy here is going to be the antagonistic force that will eventually collide with them and yeah. give them a lot of trouble. Yeah, either
1: that or, like, they're just going to cut back and forth and it's going to be, like, mm-hmm. a
0: B-plot. Overall impressions, what did you think?
1: A little conflicted, to put really? it mildly. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: There, there were some points in the film where i did laugh um there were some points where i was a little bit annoyed oh wow. um and but it was a weird thing like when the film ended i kind of missed it <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. you you really had a journey didn't yeah. you yeah so it's like i when i finished the film, i'm like oh i i'm thinking back on it and i kind of liked it but when when i was watching it like there were a couple of moments where yeah, it's like there were some things that were, like, set up and didn't get mm. paid off, which, like, oh, that that felt like a really, you know, purposeful setup that, like, feels, feels like something should have happened with that. An example? Um... Later on in the film, when a certain character is murdered, mm. um, the low life character steals their wallet, takes out the money, and he puts the wallet like inside like a bag or something. He
0: puts it inside of the box of clam or oysters. Yeah, that was and, given it, to and it him. felt
1: like yeah. you know that's going to be you know like oh well you didn't murder him why was this wallet here Or something mm. like
0: that if he if you said he wasn't here this is his last call yeah you're expecting mm. that yeah yeah and there was t- I completely forgot about that yeah, yeah
1: there were a couple of things that just like oh that didn't come back and but I kind of forgot about it. in fact right now they escape my memory um but yeah there there were you know some gags here and there that I enjoyed got some mm. laughs out of it you know there it, it was a very it, it had a different sensibility to it from other films we've done obviously this is the first proper french film that we've done um, there were some parts that felt very like general European, like the whole mm. opening before we meet the lowlife when it has like that Christmassy music and then it gets replaced with this like, mm-hmm. you know, very stringy kind mm. of, you know, cool music in yeah, a way. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay, there's a bit of a personality clash here. I'm kind of g- getting that from the music itself. Um, yeah, it's, it, was, it was an interesting experience. An experience is definitely something that I'll call it. But well, what about you, Ryan? I have some theories about how you thought but let's hear it
0: <laughs> you know what's really weird, weird about this i honestly thought oh is gonna love this movie i think there'll be some things that he went ah that could have been better whatever all you're gonna walk and be like oh he found it really great because this is the type of movie you like as soon yeah, as they introduce is. the big eyebrowed european freaky guy with I, all of his food i'm like this was, is partake's favorite yes, character yes all of his gags were <laughs> just
1: and the fact that he wasn't playing it that comedic
0: weirdly enough
1: i don't know what you think i'm gonna
0: think of this but i i from this minor interaction i think i enjoyed it more than you Mm. there are two or three key aspects that did bother me but to get into what i liked about it first is i found the uh comedy of errors to be very enjoyable as soon as That woman got trapped in the lift. (laughs) She became my favorite character in the entire movie. She was. And actually, I have four problems. The fourth problem is she leaves the movie and we never see her again. I was waiting for the car thing to come back for her. But not only that, I really liked her character, so I didn't want her to leave. I wanted her to come back, be forced back into the narrative, because I just really, truly loved her. Now, whether or not the film needed her to come back is a different thing entirely we can talk about but as a viewer i was just personally drawn to her so i wanted her so it's that thing of we can talk about it over the course of the episode if did need her to come back or if it just as a viewer i was like oh my favorite character's gone now yeah. i'm left left with the in terms other one in
1: terms of like the the you know metaphorical transaction that happens in the film it's like as soon as the Trans character like becomes a like a character in the the setting. It's like that's when that character leaves. So it's like a trade happened. Mm, it's like yeah. all of that character's stuff is kind of ending. Like the dance happens, there's intersection. She has the car troubles, but then she's gone. And then we have yeah the trans character.
0: Uh, for the rest of it. So I actually rather liked a lot of the characters. I. Gruder actually appreciate the comedy of our evil Santa Claus, our fucked up guy. At first I didn't know what to make of him because there was a tonal juggling act with him in terms of if he's meant to be genuinely disgusting and villainous and despicable or if it's supposed to be ha 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 isn't this kind of silly and by the third act, they solidified that 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 tone with him. So I actually grew to rather enjoy that character and that performance. I thought he played it wonderfully. Mm. And all of his choices made a lot of sense to me when looking back on the movie. Uh, I liked the closed-in nature of the locations yes, that we had. fully agree. They really played around with the environment of that uh, that uh, block that they're in. I uh, The music was particularly great at points as well. They had that right amount of comedy music mixed with holiday music, where it was telling me what to feel, but not in a way that was so overt that I rolled my eyes. And it had that flair of the Although this is this is an early 80s movie you can hear the end of the era of the 70s in the music and so I was Ooh. thinking ah oh, yes that's that's quite tender to hear because let's not pretend that decades instantly get their identity as no, soon as it starts not, no. there are some times like the early 90s is very much an era where you still see the 80s in it especially with hair metal say or something
1: not to be you know stereotypical of myself but early saved by the bell was like the turn of the decade mm-hmm. and it's like oh we still had the 80s even in the last season which is like the 92 or something. Right.
0: And so uh other things that I very much got I there were many laugh out loud moments for me uh situations that the characters got themselves into
1: and that to, your to, favorite to, character got a lot of them out of me now that I think
0: about it. And anyway. and if I have to give it away, people please watch the movie because this is a thing that I'm going to spoil now. If you are interested, give it a go because this was a thing that I did not expect, and yet I slapped myself in the head and said I should have. When they did kill the repairman, I sat up in my seat and went, oh, oh, this is the movie. I really didn't see that coming. Like, I knew when she was firing it around that there was going to be some kind of fallout When fall she out shot from the that. ceiling, I was, like,
1: expecting blood to come down or something.
0: But the repairman, I didn't, I had forgotten about him. Yeah, I did too. It was a good payoff. It was an, I actually thought it was going to be the the weird food European guy whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head like like Petrovic or something Petrovic or something I thought it was going to be him because he was established as going up and down up and down and knocking on the all of that yeah so I really thought it was going to be him but that twist there and then how it became very quickly the film Very Bad Things (laughs) in the last (laughs) like 20 minutes and how they paid off um, the boss's gifts the boxes of all of her gifts that she had opened up because she was bored in the elevator Mm. And they put all the body parts in those. I I was clapping and I was so happy. And that's where the criticism really comes in is when the movie ends, it ended in a way where I went, no, you can keep going. Because it feels like you only just feel, started. Yeah, it feels
1: like you know you have a very bad thing situation now, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and all of these other loose threads that you have briefly touched upon. But also, just it's one of those endings where it's like the characters are bickering at each other as the credits roll, and those are not often my favorite type of and, endings. And, but yeah. if, in a movie like this, it applies more to it than in others. But that that final act where like the
1: dead body has been you know disposed of and when they were like cutting it up and everything I was just thinking in my head like oh man they're leaving so many traces behind like you know mm-hmm. there's no way they can clean up all that blood you know a little mm-hmm. luminol will find the blood um, you got the the wallet in the bag you know you have mm-hmm. all these things it's like they're clearly not going to get away with this like whoa, well, oh, the zoo people are just going to see the boxes and think nothing of it mm-hmm. it's like okay let's see all the fallout of this but yeah the, the film does just kind of end after that because it, it rambles
0: on and then yeah, no, no. it's like
1: oh it's Christmas time so it's over <laughs>
0: Uh, Now, if you want to hear my big critiques, they're the things that I would really like to change. Uh, One, our main character, I hated him. Uh, Was it Pierre? Yeah. I hated him. He was that... (sighs) They didn't know how to characterize him fully. There were moments where it was like, "Oh, I get it," and then he would suddenly flip into. He was a real change wherever it needs to go type character. This scene right requires him. Scene, yeah. This re- scene requires him to be silly. This one requires him to be the straight man. This scene requires him to be hate filled. This scene requires him to be compassionate. This scene requires him to be a pervert. Like it just. Constantly shifting with him,
1: even in the middle of the scene, like when he's dancing with the the trans person, and just mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like he would snap, and it's like, oh well, it didn't seem like the the trigger that mm-hmm. he's reacting to happen. Like, uh, yeah, he's uncomfortable. they they're the, like touching him, but like it feels like, oh, he should have like had a shot of the ass being grabbed, and then he'll react. So it makes a bit more sense. But it it just seemed like you know random fits of like screaming or whatever.
0: He lo- the movie lost me with the character. And then it would pull me back in because there was some brilliance. One of my favorite gags. Truly loved it. And again, another slapping of the head going, how did I not know this? There's, after all of this hijinks has happened, I can't remember exactly where because there's lots of scenes where he is just exasperated. He's laying on the couch <laughs> and his outfit... That's is when the-
1: she. That's when his the female lead comes back after hearing that he's cheated or whatever.
0: Uh, he's laying on the couch and his suit and tie are the f- same fabric and pattern as the couch and... And I felt like such a fool because it's like, it's been there the whole time. And as soon as it happened, I clapped. I went, that's brilliant. When he's lying down on it, it just lines up perfectly. It's like, oh, wow, he's like a chameleon. (laughs) But he was a real issue for me. I just- On paper- No, not on paper even. I just- (sighs) No, no, no. I mean, mean, on paper, just
1: on the exact term of, you know, like at the beginning of the film, he's more calm and polite and composed. You know, as the film goes on, it makes sense that he would, you know, degrade in Mm -hmm. terms of his sanity. But the way that it was executed, just it, it was way too much just in any direction. And like you said, it mm. felt like it kind of had to just suit the mini scene that it was in.
0: Here's what I'm going to throw out. I'm just going to throw out a couple of names and examples to illustrate ways you could have gone with this character. Because it's a thing of, go with one way, not 15. Mm. Steve Munn. This could be a Steve Martin character. You know what I mean by that, where Steve Martin has that kind of role he uses in his movies, where he can be the dumb guy who thinks he's so smart, and then he gets angry and angry, planes, trains, and automobiles. Is what I'm saying. Where planes, trains, and automobiles, Steve Martin comes across as like a rich yuppie asshole, but also he's a down enough, uh, down enough guy. Like you can sympathize with him, you can relate to him, as he gets angry and angry and angrier. But when he explodes. He goes too far, and you see how it affects others. You can go that Steve Martin route, right? Perfect. We recently did Mouse Hunt, and I was thinking about Lee Evans in that movie so much because there was that scene in this where he gives her... The present, and it's a big portrait of her naked with a pig and all of that. And yeah, it's like was, pigs uh, chasing, and the pig has a big erection, and it's gross and weird. And the thing is, if these characters played more like childlike, goofy, silly, like Lee Evans in Mouse Hunt, I could buy that happening more. But since he is playing it like he's like a weird pervert it made me just genuinely, genuinely disgusted by him and I didn't want to spend time with him. There's a way to play that scene where if you give the character a level of naivete or goofiness or social faux pas to it, it can work better. So I thought about Lee Evans and, and, and now not saying like his character in mouse but that kind of Lee, like, I feel like Lee Evans could pull that scene off for some reason. Yeah.
1: And it, it was weird. They just had these random like sexual things like the, the painting, mm-hmm. which by the way, that's another thing that I just remembered now didn't really have like a payoff gag.
0: Uh, you were expecting it to come back in a scene. Yeah, and the, own, the, the closest thing we
1: got is that your favorite character, the lady, like noticed the painting and like had a look at it, but like it didn't <laughs> factor into any gags. That she was really like
0: was it. the best character, huh?
1: <laughs> One of my, my first big laugh was with her, like, when they were trying to get into the toilet. Uh, um, and, and then at the end, like, with the monkeys just randomly fucking and, like, Pierre's mm. just, like, watching it fascinated. And it's like, oh, yeah, he had that weird sexual thing and it's just back um, now. Well, and, they,
0: and they've had sex. And they have like, had sex, Like, filthy monkeys. Yeah. So I get it. But... Another characterization, another actor I want to throw out there is David Mitchell who is the guy from Peep Show and his character in Peep Show is basically the worst human on earth and yet it's captivating to watch because he thinks he's ever so smart and he's the straight man but really he's pathetic and yet the one that we get here changes from scene to scene to scene to scene, moment to moment to moment and I got really angry at that. I loved Pretty much everybody else. When everybody else was doing terrible things, it felt in line with them way more. Even down to uh, mostly the most sympathetic character in the film. The I can't remember the character's name. The woman who works with him, the one that he's hitting on, uh, Trace. When well, Even when she did shitty things, I bought it because I was like, "Well, oh, you've been you've been driven to this point with him." I never felt like he was driven to that point as as uh cleanly as the other characters it just felt too much of the writer's hand coming and being like you gotta do this now wouldn't it be funny if he used slurs in this scene i'm like no no it wouldn't maybe if the santa claus guy did and it's weird because even the santa claus guy was less bigoted than our main character <laughs> Uh, he lives on the streets, you know. He he has different
1: experiences.
0: Um, what are some other things that worked for you though in the movie? Because like you said, you had quite a quite an experience with this. I don't want to just keep going on on, on the negatives. I want to hear some of your uh, positives, some of the moments you laughed at or got a real good time from.
1: Well, like you said, the the your favorite character, the I forget, Madame M, uh, I forget the last name. Mm. Um, <clears throat> all of her stuff was really great, and I really enjoyed all of the the foreign guy. You know, bringing in all the. The the treats. Mm. Um the I mentioned before he played it completely straight. He wasn't playing for goofiness and just like all these little things that he would add to just make the thing seem even more disgusting. Just it it felt very kind of out of place in the film, but to its merit. Like, mm. oh, you know, like Oh, yes, I, I rolled it in my armpit, and it's like, you are not actually, it's mostly for decoration, you know, you're not really meant to eat it. It's like, oh, yes, it's, it's fermenting, and it makes that bad smell that he, like, doesn't
0: react to it. I needed to leave it in the icebox for a bit longer, but I didn't, and so now it's hard here and soft there, it's like, oh.
1: And, and just, yeah, pl- playing on that, like, oh, this character's not being
0: mean, so we kind of have to be nice to him. He's and foreign, it, so he's we shouldn't be racist against him. And then the lesson learned at the end is, actually be racist, because it goes away. <laughs> Well, they they throw him
1: out, yeah, by
0: being racist.
1: There's that early gag um, when he's given them the first thing. It's mm. like, oh, this came from the heart. We we shouldn't, you know, throw mm. it down. They just throws the whole box in the
0: yeah what was the toilet gag that you liked you just said a moment ago that uh the character that you like whose name is musquin or musquin yeah madame musquin or something like that we don't speak french so forgive us we speak bartek speaks polish
1: yeah non we don't speak france 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 us um it it was basically when all the characters came together in the setting um yeah the, the 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 down-on-her-luck woman character, mm. uh, Josette, I think was yeah, her name. The, the pregnant one? Yeah, the pregnant one. When she ran into the toilet to like lock herself in, um, Madame Muskins or whatever her name is, uh, conflict at the time was she really needed to pee. You know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. so she, and obviously the door to the toilet was locked, so she and the down-on-his-luck guy, Felix, um, <laughs> were both working together to like break it down, and it's like... It, <laughs> Together thrust one, together thrust two, then he's like, I have an idea, and he throws just her at the door, (laughs) and she just turns around, completely, you know, stopping her need to, like, pee, just to
0: look at him and say, like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? I'm happy to report that that actress is still with us and still working. Excellent. She's she's still there. I was surprised because she does look a lot older than the rest, but she's really the same age as all of them. She felt, like, ten years older than everybody else. She, she,
1: yeah, she felt like it, but she didn't look old generally, I don't think. We,
0: she me, definitely felt the oldest, She, I guess. She, yeah. she felt it because she was also, like, their superior, yeah. so and she, she also, just held herself in a way. Too, and though. she was,
1: she also had, like, a family to go to, where it mm. felt like, oh, there's going to be young kids there, <laughs> so she's, you know, had a family. And Truly
0: a family. adored her. I uh, I really
1: loved her playing with the Simon bots. Oh, toy. that was <laughs> a
0: great little touch. I liked when they got trapped on top of the lift, and it started Go up, and they were going to get impaled and crushed, and, and then it just stopped at the right <laughs> and point. And even though she
1: was desperate, the toilet Pierre was still arguing, like, No, I should get out first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, another effective sequence, truly effective. This wasn't necessarily funny, but it was like the, the art form to Santa Claus as a Stinker is a fine, fine juggling act and balance of having all of the absurdest slapstick. Over the top comedy with genuine moments of tension and or terror and or suspense, and that was achieved when they were trying to open up the, the the power board or whatever it is to get the lift open. But he was too stingy to get the other screws off because he only had a, a flathead screwdriver. Even though you can still open, Philip. He was like, "I don't have a proper one." It's like you can actually still do it. I mean, you already do it with one screw, but okay. Uh, and then he was like. If you do this, I'm going to put my finger in there. That scene was... I felt the pain of it. Like, oh my God. And what happens is she lifts it and then it slips or something and it snaps back and it gets his finger and he is screaming. Yeah. Like a motherfucker. And we even get the scene of him putting it on the tap, which gets the new running gag of the movie, which is the tap is always running unless someone hits it. Because mm. there's a scene where the boss, again, she comes in and she grabs the tap head, the faucet of it, and she's like, what is this? What's happening? She's like, Screw-. She turns the tap, it's already off. It's like, okay. And then she just smacks it. Turn- the water stops running. I love <laughs> it loved yeah. that that was a nice yeah. little piece of business there was no like big uh payoff gag gag to it but it was a nice yeah. little thing in the environment that was constantly fucking up
1: there was also a recurring thing of like doors opening and closing to inflict pain you know, mm. the Film, the like sometimes it would close on like you know the foreign guy's hand mm. the door would be open too quickly and hit someone in the face oh yeah especially yeah. the trans character yeah
0: when they did inflict pain upon each other they when they they made sure to emphasize comedy pain and real pain, they did a marvelous job of of giving us the audience the understanding of when it actually is one that hurts and when it's one that's a silly ha 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 and I thought they did that beautifully again, real craftsmanship when it came to those little scenes those aren't big things, but they're just little things where I genuinely went. <sighs> Yeah, that would that would really hurt, and that's important when you have a slapstick. You have to have those rules set in place of like, is this going to be one where when they hit each other yeah. there is no pain? They just a, get it's back. Is it a cartoon? Up. Yeah. Is it a cartoon, or is it one where it is strictly like? all of this actually hurts and gives real consequences, or you're going to have a one in the middle, and this is one in the middle, where it has I, I a bit guess, of
1: both. I guess in that sense, like, the scene where they were, you know, on top of the lift and they were the threat of being crushed, like, that kind of set it right there. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, th- this will kill them if but it happens.
0: When we get to the end where they're threatened with a gun and being shot the film has to, by that point, let the audience decide or be aware of the stakes. Because if you have one where it's all silly, all slappy and three stooges-y and there's a gun aimed at them, there wouldn't be any actual danger to it. But because that specific character holding the gun up until that moment has been very heavily presented as an actual dangerous character who does really violent things that actually has real-world consequences... Mm it actually matters when he starts shooting people and then when we actually get someone killed from their actions. Again, they they, they got me. I didn't expect someone to actually die from their stupidity. And that was truly... If there's anything I'm going to take away from the movie is how they used the comedy and specifically physical comedy uh, uh, me- like mechanics that we know and managed to pull the wool over my eyes to something yeah. that would really twist the yeah. screws it, in.
1: It showed us the rules that it was playing by, but it still managed to surprise us within those constraints. Mm I also like how even though Felix was established to be this, like, dangerous character that you have to take seriously, when he did start working with them and they are like, you know, just shoving the gun between each other, you know, that was kind of, like, a funny, like, oh, he's on their side now kind of thing.
0: Another, the other, one of the other things I would, I'm not a fan of, uh, you know this, Mm -hmm. uh... The film, sometimes she made me laugh, but Yvette, the pregnant lady, I'm not a big fan of uh, the comedy as this character screeches and is loud and Remember they earlier... just say vile things and like <laughs> their gag is just, they go, rah, rah, everything, I hate it, Remember it doesn't earlier... matter the language, I don't like it. Remember earlier when I said that, it
1: annoyed me sometimes?
0: It was that character, <laughs> oh, yeah, tell me a bit about more more your your experience with that because famously, on this podcast, you're the one who can tolerate that more than I can. I've been very much like, I don't like that far more often than you mm. you You have had some affections for characters like that, It's over true, the yeah. course of the show, so. What about this uh, aspect of, I guess, the comedy here? Because she's played specifically for comedy. There is never any really yeah. genuine moment. She with her. she
1: feels very much like a. And I haven't seen much of this, but like that Little Britain kind of, mm. you know, grotesque ish character. I guess it's because the film's trying to go for a bit of a classist divide with its main characters. Like the two who are volunteering for the suicide hotline are, you know, the more well-to-do characters. You know, they're the ones who. You know, we as you know,
0: one wears a suit and tie, and I almost said
1: middle age. I meant uh, middle Middle class. class, uh, People would look at him like, "Oh, yes, these are the normal characters. They're they're working. They're being charitable." Mm. And then you have the other two characters, Felix and Josette, who are the the homeless ones who live in a little shack with rats that are actually rabbits. Mm. Um, They kept calling them rats. Um, Oh, really? On yours, we had the same copy. We have the same copy.
0: Yeah, I, I, I didn't notice the rats. I, I, was, I like, think, rabbit, I so. think it, it was just a
1: off-handed like, comment. It, it, he kept calling them rats. It was because you know, just a joke or whatever. Okay. Um, I, I'm making it more serious than it was, but um, yeah, they're they're like kind of grotesquely, you know, homeless e characters. You know, they're wearing these like rags. Mm. Um, it, it almost felt like fat pizza caricatures.
0: And the fact that she's pregnant is yeah. also playing into that. Like, oh, yeah. they're so and poor she's got- that she's she's so, she's so pregnant in a situation where you shouldn't even have a kid. Like, there's even that kind of judgment in the Yeah, film. She, she, like,
1: looks scruffy. She's got those buck teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... But between those two characters, Felix and her, Felix ha- feels a bit more natural, like that kind of Gora main character mm-hmm. thing where, you know, he's got all these things going on. It's not just the same kind of personality gag over and over and again And he
0: evolves over time in terms of our understanding of him but from the very beginning we know what she is and she never changes Yeah, she's
1: very loud uh very big in her reactions um she's she's dumb which that's fine um but yeah it, it felt like we needed a bit more from her or something different in a way. The
0: only scene I found her funny in was when they were at the bar talking about his Felix's, uh, sorry, Pierre's dick. Yeah. That was the only scene I found amusing with her. The rest of the time I found her uh, truly aggravating. Although I did also did like that she didn't mind the the, the gross food. Mm. <laughs> she, she liked that. I was, I was like, okay, you got me there. And that also touches upon something that the movie is... I'm not going to say this is a negative, but it is something where I would love to hear from French people, people who grew up with this movie perhaps, or are far more aware of the culture of the times or the filmmakers themselves. And we're minorly familiar with the filmmakers. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Of the attitudes that this film holds when it comes to class or comes to the status. Because throughout the movie, I can't tell if it's aware... Of how cruel it is, or if it is just cruel, because it's a comedy. You know how when comedies are mean, you go, "Well, it's a comedy, then." You know, it's for laughter. But there's still cruelty in some comedies that is like, you know, that now we use the phrase "punching down." But there's moments where it's like, oh, the gag is that they that this guy's a for, funny foreign guy and he makes food that they don't like and they hate him and they hate his culture and the the comeuppance for that character is he gets screamed at and, and he's a victim of bigotry and then we never reconcile that and then he moves on or. We have the two down and out lower class people who are just the scum of the earth and they suck and they're annoying and they're just loud and they're willing to do the dirty shit because our main characters are too up in their own bums and morally pure and blah 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 to do that but also they're having to... And then you even have uh, to the, the 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 trans character as well where it's like is the film aware of how mean it is to this main character is like like is that an actual part of the commentary or is it just being mean to the character because it's funny and we'll have a whole discussion about I just said, when that I pick, person. When I pick, and when I pick
1: foreign mm-hmm. Christmas films, I have to have a trans character.
0: <laughs> a trans character, yeah, but uh, you at least knew Japanese culture well enough to talk a bit more yeah, talk about... Yeah, and stuff like that. But we don't know the French culture in the 80s well enough, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be looking favorable. But uh, we'll get back to her in a second, but there, there is some interesting commentary that the film's making about all of these things and i mean where do you land on it like do you think the film is is aware do you think it is kind of understanding and having fun and actually just having a good jolly old time where it's like genuinely like hey look we're we're doing these things or do you think it is inadvertently just being (laughs) like mean to to these groups of people because i can't tell if the film is on like, if it wants us to be on the main two characters' side or not.
1: Or maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's, like, a very bad things thing where it's, like, oh, you don't have to like them or root for them. You just have to, you know, watch what happens to them, enjoy the Schadenfreude or whatever it's called or mm. something like that. Um, When I was watching the film, because I knew that it was, you know, relatively acclaimed, like, I looked up, you know, g- good foreign Christmas films or whatever. It was, like, third on the list on IMDb. Um, I was watching it with the mindset of, like, oh, this is, you know, a classic for the French, probably. This is probably... I might be wrong, so I'll look it up later and maybe I'll be wrong. But, like, this might be, you know, a classic Christmas film for them. So I was looking at it from the lens of, like, oh, this is probably... Uh, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, you know, iconic characters from French mm. cinema uh, doing the iconic scenes, like, oh, here's the scene where this happens, the scene where this happens, and I was trying to look at it from that lens. Um, so in that sense, I I guess was looking at it from a sentimentality perspective mm. of, you know, this is something that uh, they enjoy and they come back to. Yes. Um, And so... Keeping that in mind, I, I do think that the film is just going for a, hey, we're just trying to be funny kind of thing.
0: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. There were just moments where my eyebrows raised and went, okay, the, the, ga- the gag is this person is poor, ha, 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 or the gag is this person is is gay or, or trans, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, why I struggle is because there are points in the movie. Where they don't do gags about those things and genuinely touch upon them in the most limited dramatic sense that this film yeah, can the, afford
1: you. The trans characters, like introduction, feels like oh, this is a character that could be played for you know emotion, like pathos.
0: And yes, and we will have a lot to say about that. Now, now to flip back into into some positives here. I I, I I want to also shout out the absolute mania that was the film's pacing. Because this was a quick movie. I did not feel the time. When it ended, I was like, wow, it feels like I've only just started. And it feeds into that. You get the sensation this is all taking place in the course of one evening to to like sunrise the next yeah. day, from dusk to dawn. Basically. The film
1: basically ends at a point where very bad things was just getting started
0: and i just wanted to really highlight that because it does have that watchable factor because of how quick it is and as people who have not really engaged in french cinema all that much it is something to consider when you're partaking in a in a in an area of cinema that you aren't familiar with how much these things can really win you over or not to wanting to watch more from this country. Say if we did on the podcast, I imagine a lot of people sniffily think of French films as like boring black and white movies where there's no logic to them and there's just a bunch of philosophical wank and it goes on for four hours. That's like what a lot of people can assume French cinema to be. That's what I assume. A lot of the times I think of Goddard and all of that and yet you For, can from... have movies like this where it's like, it's just, you can see this being easily a, an American comedy film like A Very Bad Things or A British, it's just got that simple comedy format to it that is universal, it goes past those language barriers. Mm. I
1: was going to say, there, were, there was that film two years ago that got a lot of controversy because of Netflix marketing. The the one where the English title was Cuties, mm. where I I watched that film and...
0: Oh, Bartik, you're on a it list was... now. The, the, the authorities listened to you, this podcast and they've got you now registered.
1: Because there was just so much controversy about it, like, these and every like bit of controversy that I was reading was like, huh, these people are indicating that they haven't actually seen the full film. Mm-hmm. So and I was that year the, the your movie sucks released, like the the Kimba thing where it's like, I actually watched it. I'm like, hmm, I should watch it and like actually see. And it surprised me how like French and European it felt that like mm-hmm. all this like mainstream controversy from people who clearly don't watch French films were making a hubbub about this very dry film, which I know that all the marketing is like, "Oh, it's a pedophilic film," but that's like such a weirdly enough almost minor part of it, mm-hmm. where it's it's more about the rest of the film. Like, oh, there's this like really weird like French Islamic family trad- uh, uh, religious tradition, where you know, oh the. They, they, they practice monogamy, but there's a polygamous situation, and mm-hmm. they're being hypocritical about the way they're handling it because, like, oh, yes, you can't be polygamous, but, you know, he, he does now have a new wife, so we have to treat her with mm-hmm. a certain level of respect. And it's like, oh, wow, this is really weirdly deep, and no one's talking about it. So it's, it's yeah, really weird how these films do have a different sort of vibe from the, the more common stuff that we do watch.
0: And whenever we do a foreign movie, sometimes we have ones where we have no familiarity with the the culture's uh, film industry. Grebavica. Grivich, or Gora, or even in minor part, Bad Genius. That was the first Thai film yes. you've ever seen. That was the yeah. second one I've ever seen. And so it's like... Is this what everything is, or what's the vibe here? And with French cinema, I've said on the pod before that it's actually quite a blind spot for me. I've only seen a couple, and they've all been very different to one another. But still, there's that reek of, French films are long and boring. And just at least that's how I've been conditioned to think about them. So I I just really wanted to emphasize that this film is not the quintessential idea you have of a french film or even a french comedy film where a lot of french comedy films also have that uh allure to them of being almost like silent comedies your 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 jacques Tati's, on and all of that where there's these elaborate uh set pieces of comedy uh slapstick and all that this has all of these slapsticky things but it also just has that I don't know how to describe it. It's it's just—it's just—it's in that in-between zone, isn't it? When we also look at it in the landscape of comedies, where you can see how this sits right next to something like Pink Panther. I was, but also sits next to something like. Like a Jacques Tati film, or. I
1: was thinking while watching it that there's that stereotype about French people that they really like Jerry Lewis. Mm. It's like, you know, a very, very silly type of comedy, and you very much got that in this film, especially with like the Jossette character.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, it kind of made sense in that regard. But
0: then also, it's a film taking place in a suicide hotline, and they will actually go for the dramatic stings that. And, actu- and they are. There were actual gags
1: su- about people like threatening to kill themselves. Yeah,
0: it, but also then there will be genuine moments of drama where they're going to touch upon serious issues and they mostly are successful at that and you feel it and you go okay wow uh, now, what are some other things that uh, you want to mention on the side of things that you liked or worked for you? Anything else leaping out at you? Because like you, I, I'm, I'm, I am sitting back going, wow, I'm surprised you, like <laughs> you, you have this face on where you're like mulling over everything, being like, oh, man," wow. yeah, Because you really did walk away with quite a reaction. Yeah, to
1: it, and again, it was one of those reactions that I've had a few times on the podcast where you know, I did miss the film afterwards, and I kind of, yeah, do want to watch it again because it just feels like, you know, there's get something more out of it. Um, uh, mentioning just now uh, the the whole like, oh, there are gags of people threatening to kill themselves. There was that one gag of like the guy who called in. Mm-hmm. He, he entered the, the phone box. He had the gun to his head and they had the bad connections. Like, oh, press the button. And he just pulled the trigger.
0: Mm, I thought you we were going to mention the one that keeps phoning up being Mr. I need to talk to a woman. For one last time. And then he does it and he calls them a bunch of, like, terrible... Really horrible slurs. Slurs and just deframatory and statements. You, yeah. fucking bitch. And then <laughs> the pregnant lady of it screams at him back. And then the boss teaches her, this is actually how we deal with them. Yeah. Then, oh, you ran out after you called me a cunt face. Okay. And then he hangs up. <laughs> Again, she's an excellent character. If you have to watch this movie, watch it simply for the boss. Mm. She... I wish she was the main character. Honestly, she was just such a delight. That performance is one again where it transcends the language barrier. There, there are uh, ones where you go, "I know that this is an excellent performance. I don't need to understand the language. I, I know this is good." And she is Mwah. the copy that we, truly wonderful.
1: Yeah, the copy that we watched um, occasionally. And, and it wasn't too bad because you could kind of get what was being said. It would occasionally not have subtitles for things that were being
0: said. Oh, yeah, I I, I didn't. I. Uh, it's yeah.
1: usually when something was repeated. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, we heard it the first time or we can kind of gather. Like, oh, yeah, what I'm used saying. to that
0: because I'm watching a bunch of anime right now. So they do that too. There sometimes yeah. it's like, you heard it. <laughs> yeah, you should know what you heard is. it
1: or you can kind of tell what's being said here. Mm-hmm. Or it's common enough. Yeah,
0: I wish this uh, copy had subtitles for things written down. Uh, Yeah, that was an
1: annoyance, but, uh, but like what we were saying before, like, you know, with certain characters like her, you can hear it in the tone, like the Mm. way she talks, presents herself, the way people react about
0: her and her her expressions, she really is the actress to point to where the way that they physically carry themselves does a lot of the backstory for them. Because the way she just held her head and had her back, you know, straight, or the way she would walk, I, I I, didn't need the subtitles to tell me who she was in relation to everybody else and what type of person she was. I, I, I... I I will think about her the most, even though there were more the high extravag- angle shot of
1: her playing with the Simon toy. Oh, that was that
0: was, or her blowing t- the horn. Every- and, oh, that was one of my favorite too <laughs> where you keep hearing it in the background, and you can hear that she's getting tired. <laughs> like you can hear that she's running out of energy to do. And
1: it. every time the light goes out around her, you know what's coming. <laughs> oh,
0: that was that was great. Now is it time to talk about the big, the big elephant in the room, that is, this movie has... Well, the elephant's in the last scene. That is true, actually. Mm. One of the last scenes. There's a trans character in this movie. Um, Jacques, I think
1: the name was. Jean-Jacques.
0: Yes, they also had... uh, uh, Oh, they had a female name. Yeah, like Katia.
1: Katia, yeah. So, what's from you? So, like I said, this character is introduced in a sympathetic way, where they're one of the people who's calling in... They're clearly, you know, unhappy. They allude to some stuff in their past about like a relationship didn't work out, um, and they allude to that, like, oh, my, I don't get along with my family. And then at the end, and they ask, like, oh, can, can I come meet you? And that's like against their rules, but they cave because you know they're so kind-hearted. And on and... the
0: phone, they keep referring to this person as a he. Yes, because before have a... we see who yeah. is on the other end, and of then the phone. as
1: they're hanging up, we cut to them, and it's like, oh, it's a, it's like a person a man dressed in woman's clothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we gather that, like, oh, they're currently in their room during a family dinner, and the family, like, makes fun of them, calling them Charles Bronson.
0: That was one of the most effective scenes in the entire film. I thought that was genuinely heartbreaking, and it led us into this character very quickly. Even all the phone call stuff, but just that there, them walking out and being called Bronson, being made fun of, and just how childish their family is. I I was, that was early in the movie too. And I was thinking, Oh, is this going to be a movie that's going to... Is this
1: going to be the heart of the film, kind of?
0: Is this character going to be the, the yeah, the heart of the of it? Because it's not going to be the pregnant lady character, which in another movie, <laughs> Tokyo Godfathers, could be a heart of a movie where you have a character that's got a kid on the way or has had a kid and that becomes, like, the central thrust of it. Like, this movie could easily have been a uh, Virgin Mary story where you have these goofy characters helping this pregnant woman on Christmas, give you know, mm. with a... What? Upcoming baby and all of that, what... and that doesn't really happen. <laughs> I know I'm the glad. Tokyo
1: Godfathers is like an adaptation of another story called like three Godfathers. I can't remember if it was mm. French or not, but, yeah, but interesting connection.
0: I thought that scene with the family was just devastating and then they even call back to it later when there's another low point and that character she's walking past the the cinema uh, the local cinema and they're playing nothing but charles bronson movies Mm. and it just is this like her life is this pervasive bigotry and threat that's like around her where it's not even we need characters to throw a slur at her it's just cabs won't stop for her her family act childish around her and literally the 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 local like cinema is playing bronson and so it's even enforcing like this very in this era we want our big mustachey bravado masculine men are men and women are women type attitude and i thought Underneath all of the silliness and underneath all of the shortcomings that this movie has when it comes to this character, there were so many moments of honesty when it came to her. So uh, in just to just summarize briefly and we can delve into more and I want to hear more from you, I'm majorly conflicted about how the film portrays and this character and their overall attitude about gay people and about trans people i i have no solid answer on where this lands
1: again to further conclude that whole setup thing which i agree was done really well like just even just like the cut the first shot of them you know revelation to like oh this is who the character is and then we have the family thing it sets you up because it's not played so much for comedy there at all Mm -mm. and it sets you up for like oh okay this even though this is a crazy film a lot is going to be said about this character. Um, we're going to explore this character in like a, a, a an understanding sort of way, or we're going to probably learn something about this character and about you know trans issues in general. Mm. Basically, this character isn't going to be more of a punching bag than they already are in their life. Um, so when the film has yeah it. it I've got to say, you're you're
0: way more optimistic of a viewer than I, because when they cut to her, when they have the phone call referring to he, 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 cut to her, I went, oh, okay. This is going to be the gag where, unbeknownst to them, uh, a a drag queen or transvestite, as they say in the IMDb description, is going to rock up in their office, and we're going to have a comedy of errors with that, where there are going to be characters who don't know that it's... "Quote unquote, not a woman is going to be characters who are going to react very aggressively or, flame, or like over the top about this being a guy in a dress. There are going to be a bunch of innuendos. I, I was expecting I was those expecting, classic like bam, 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 kind of, bam. I here was we expecting
1: go. those gags, but I, I suppose I wasn't expecting it to play into the stereotype so much. See, I was. Like, I,
0: I was just like, yep, they're going to, they have to. But when that's the thing. But we
1: have that scene later on where the the two uh you know middle class leads are talking about like you know gay people and how they have like oh you know some of them are very you know i forget the term but like you know high class or like cultured or something Mm -hmm. and then the character like comes in dancing like saying a bunch of like really Mm -hmm. you know sleazy things and just like really hammering home like oh look how wrong they are Uh
0: and also the gag that that's the thing there are moments where they go away from the stereotypes and get to the heart of the issue that trans people and gay people live through. And then they just go back to mm. shitting on them or just laughing. And just, it's just, it's just such a struggle to know what to feel about this inclusion. Cause there's a, there's a part of me that just instantly wants to go, they shouldn't have included this character at all. Because if this character wasn't here, They wouldn't have these jokes, and then this film would be better because the film would have less offensive jokes, even though they still have offensive jokes when it comes to the European... Like, the other weirdo European guy or the poor people, but those are the kind of ones where we go, well, those are more acceptable, I guess, because they feel less vindictive and more just like the spirit of comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say, like, I don't like offensive jokes. like I like offensive comedy. It's just one of these things where... I, I just really did like the character, the performance too. Here's the thing that's crazy about it: is the actor playing this role plays it like it's a drama, like they aren't in on the. If this was the whole comedy thing, there would be a level of they're in on the joke, like ha ha. But the actor is playing the tr- like this there comes sincerely. A point,
1: yeah, there comes a point. It's when Felix comes in with the gun where that character like says something like, why have I wandered into this hell? Like They mm-hmm. were not expecting their night to go this way.
0: Mm-hmm. Even when they're shot in the foot and they have gags about dragging around and the pain and they're definitely in on the comedy, the character isn't played like they're a joke, which is what you would think would happen when you have this type of person thrown into your wacky scenario especially when you're playing with stereotypes but he isn't playing it like it's a joke so there's a weird dissonance happening throughout the entire movie where it comes across as he's the only one that treats the character with respect and the rest of the film doesn't do it and so I'm pulling my hair out going there's a part of me that says get rid of this character from the story so that we can have a smoother ride. But at the same time, I appreciate that there's a, the characters there because mm. what other representation of these type of people would you get in this time period from the French? I don't know. Are there any? I imagine there are, but a mime. Like, of one that's of a popular film as well. Like this is a popular movie. Like this has a pretty good rating. I read some of the reviews and people really do love this, and so. It's a thing of, it's not the greatest representation, but for the times, it's nicer than others. So, we got to make do with what was happening here for when it was happening. Uh, what do you think about it overall, though, like, to get into some other nuances of it? Like, looking at this, we don't often get to talk about these issues on the pod as much. And even when we do, they're in... Comedy films that know overtly that what they're doing is strictly comedic. Like when we did Sorority Boys, there's no like sincere moments of an actual trans person crying, saying, please treat me like a real human. I deserve respect. (laughs) It's a movie where it's like, ha ha, they're guys in dresses. What do you think about um, Katya overall?
1: Yeah, in... Definitely it's not to the same level as Pierre where, you know, it's just the personality suits the scene, but it is to some degree. Like there are points where, you know, because that introduction was so effective and I was emotionally invested in this character, there were times where they were acting in a way that was clearly, you know, making like the Pierre character uncomfortable. Like they're Mm. coming on to him all the time, even though Pierre's really not interested And something like that plays into, like, a a sort of negative stereotype that people have about um, characters of, uh, you know, LGBT persuasion. Like, oh, Mm. they're fine just as long as they're not coming on to me or whatever that kind of thing. And it felt like, oh, you know, why do we have those things here? Like, you know, you have a bit early on, but once it's, you know...
0: Estab- Firmly established. Firmly
1: established. Like, could, could we cut it out? But like, and I, I get like with the gag with the the whole dancing is like, oh, you know, would you feel embarrassed with me? Like, I was fine with the dancing, but like, yeah, they they, they just kept playing into. Into the whole uncomfortability of it too much, and when when Pierre explodes. Although I did like the gag of like when the light came out and Katia was closer to him on that was
0: a funny gag. It was funny and really effective, really well done. Like I wasn't expecting it. It No one comments on it. Yeah, like he doesn't really react to it. He's like, oh, okay, but he doesn't make a big fuss about it. It's a more subtle
1: uh, version of a gag from Eurotrip, actually.
0: So it all falls apart for me when we're talking about like whether this film is favourable or not. Because it really does have some favourable, like, this is a film where it's like, okay, like with Tokyo Godfathers, where we had a trans character who was discriminated against by other characters, but you could tell from the movie that the movie was still... Uh, uh, still in favour yeah. of who this specific person was and, who, and like, who they are, what they are. Yeah, even,
1: because I remember we talked about in that episode, like, oh, I can understand where they were misguided because they're clearly favourable to this character, but they're being inconsistent about, like, oh, are they, you know, quote, a fag in a dress? Oh, am I a woman or am I a homosexual? Mm. Like, they were a bit inconsistent there, but I could understand, like, they were trying to be consistent and favorable. So it kind of excused. They had
0: a clear uh, point of view, even if some of the details within it were a little bit murky and that could be a cultural thing. We talked about it in Tokyo Godfathers here though. uh, We have the moment where Pierre explodes and says all of these truly horrible things. And we're supposed to, in my opinion, find it funny when he does that. It came across like John Cleese when he blows up in faulty towers at something. And it's like, ha ha, finally the tension has broken. He flips out and he treats her like this. And we're supposed to laugh. And that's where I lose it. I go, look, any other great little moments are, are overshadowed by that. That is the worst moment in the entire film. Like, I get it. But as, like I know why it's there. I'm not a fool, I know why it's there and but it's also a thing where I look at it and go, I I don't want it there though. Even
1: even his other outbursts, like when we were talking about the effective pain scene, like mm-hmm. his finger got stuck in the thing and he, you know, said obscene things about Therese, the mm-hmm. female lead. Um, like that wasn't necessarily funny either. It was like mm-hmm. an actual like emotional thing of like, Oh shit, he said things he didn't mean and you had a whole scene of him
0: apologizing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we can relate when you get hurt and somebody's inadvertently the reason you, you yeah. react.
1: But the yeah, but that means the film's already established like oh you know emo- emotional loud outbursts not really played for comedy here. So when it happens again here, you know even without it not being effective, like you're already kind of conditioned not to necessarily find that funny. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then Katya reacts like it's a like we're watching a trans drama sh- like movie where they're given the big, like, Oscar-worthy performance of tears and telling him, like, to basically go fuck himself. And <sighs> I I would really appreciate hearing a French perspective on this uh, particular character and the film's portrayal of it. And I'd also really, really be keen to hear... A trans perspective on this. We're just two Polish Australian guys. We we don't have the greatest ability to nail this down, but it's that thing of there. I'm not going to walk away saying that this film is like, transphobic per se, but it does have it within it. Um,
1: we can, But we can definitely say that, like, if you isolate that introduction scene... Like,
0: there's many moments... It's, it's really effective. There's many moments of truly effective stuff there. And again, I praise the performance. I, uh, I think that this actor who we actually know from Just Visiting... There we go. He was the goofy sidekick in Just Visiting, the goofy dumb guy who would, like, eat soap from the to- like the toilet soap and shit like that. I was thinking like mm-hmm. I feel like I
1: feel like whoever played that character could be in this film, but I didn't know who it was. so It mm-hmm. was Katia.
0: Yes, and that's where we lead into our relationships with this film in a way where back 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 in the day, we did a little movie called Just Visiting. I think it was our
1: fourth ever episode.
0: And we even joked there one day we should visit this guy's other movies the director slash writer of just visiting oh did we Hmm. wow because we looked him up and we did a whole thing and hey just visiting had a french version and it had these actors and it didn't have these ones and hey this guy's actually quite got quite a resume and it seems like he's a pretty big deal and i had no clue going in that this was going to be the same people and I, after watching the movie, I, I needed to look up people because that's me. I I'm always want to know, have people been in things or any pieces of information? Mm-hmm. Such as, you know, most of these actors are still with us. Uh, the only one majorly that's not with us is uh, actually our, our female lead, Teresa. Oh. She she passed away in uh, 2019 from lung cancer. But she was still working right up 20, to the that's end. That's pretty so recent, relatively. Pretty much everyone's still with us and working and active. And so that's really cool great to see and uh i'm glad to see it but uh the director did just visiting a, sh- a po- movie we did on the podcast and uh the closest we really have gotten to a major french film Wait, so did
1: he do just visiting or did he just do the french no version? no he
0: did both he did both. both that was the big thing we mentioned in our just visiting was i remember the actors you the could, lead actors no but we we did talk about it in our just visiting that you could tell that this is an adaptation of something but it's got these Hollywood elements shoved in on what are these very French things? Mm-hmm. And that's what made Just Visiting an Unappreciated Masterpiece. It had a wonderful concoction of a movie-going experience that we don't see often enough. Uh, the closest I can come up with is when Michael Haneke did a shot-for-shot English remake of Funny Games. And it's like, well, you're doing a shot-for-shot, but with English-speaking yep, so, actors. So it's,
1: it's not a situation where Chris Rock made an American version.
0: No, it is not. But uh, we have never really done a French movie, and we joked in our fourth or fifth episode, hey, if we ever do French movies, we should do this guy's movies. And here we are, well, you all know, these years later, you know what that by means? pure happenstance, by pure coincidence. Oh, I'm, fully... ag- I'm
1: arguing the opposite, but I go oh, the
0: Oh, fully, the fully French-language film we did is by the first foreign filmmaker we did on the podcast perhaps like a non-american i'm trying to think it must well i mean thunder pants oh, uh, co-american co-american so, so yeah, it, i think the director was American it wouldn't, for it that wouldn't too. fit
1: my part pictures power test because it's co-american mm. um but yeah it, it feels like because we made that comment back in the just visiting episode that solidified the destiny of me not being able to find that polish christmas film and led me to Almost pick this as a, fuck it, let's do this instead. And When
0: you saw that yeah. this was by the person who did Just Visiting, what was your reaction? Well, I remember you messaged me
1: late last evening saying, like, when you finish the film, you didn't just say, look it up, please look up the director. So I'm like, oh, Ryan really wants me to do it. He said the P word. <laughs> um, So my mind of racing, like, what could it be? What could it be? I don't know. And I hadn't even seen the film at that point, so mm-hmm. it could have been anything. So after I finished it, I still didn't know. I looked up just his Wikipedia page, scrolled through it, and I saw, like, Les Visiteurs. I'm like, oh, Les Visiteurs. That sounds familiar. Isn't that just visiting, like, Mm -hmm. the French version? Mm -hmm. And then I highlighted it, and I saw Jean Reno. I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. wow. But I forgot all the history about, like, oh, we should do one of his French films. So it's really interesting that it ended up happening... I joke by destiny, but you, like you said, just happenstance. It's a
0: Christmas miracle. Christmas miracle. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about with uh, Santa Claus is a stinker? I don't really have much else to say. I thought, uh, I, yeah, I, I like, liked it a lot more than uh, you, it seems, but I still had problems. I, I always have problems with movies. But. No,
1: I, I mean, I do feel very similarly to you. I guess just... Me having so many problems was a bit unexpected. Like I said, I do still think I would revisit it.
0: Was this a reaction you thought I would have?
1: Uh, I was actually dreading that you would have hated the film, actually. (laughs) no. no. So, um, yeah, it's kind of more yeah yeah didn't my my worries what places (laughs) (laughs) i was joking before i watched the film i was thinking to myself like oh i should make a gag about like oh so am i podcasting with ryan or that grinch from last year (laughs) (laughs) but then i watched the film like oh I don't think I can blame him if he no. actually hated the film because I could kind of see it.
0: No, oh, yeah. no, no. This had a plot, which is a big difference between this and Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. So, this had character development. It had actual gags. Although it did lack a catchy theme song, which we all love and adore. Please sing it for us now. I think From I did last episode. Santa Claus Conquers ahead. the Martians. Last time you did it, I screamed, don't, don't stop. Please don't. But this time I'm saying, please do. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, we can do it, Ryan. Okay. <coughs> Everybody sit down.
1: You spell it S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S. Hooray for Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> man what a great movie that was and on christmas
1: day you'll wake up and you'll say hooray for santa claus
0: da, da, da. so with uh santa claus is a stinker i do give it a recommendation i just go in knowing that it's a little all over the place but that also gives it a scrappy charm as well and mm. If you're wanting to get into the... uh, If you want to slowly get into the waters of French cinema, I think this is actually a really great entry point. I I, I don't think it's too alienating. And it does just have a marvellous core concept of on Christmas... (laughs) Well, <laughs> during Christmas, we follow the misadventures of a suicide hotline group. And I think that there is one where I slap my hands to get- get together and go, Ooh, I wanna watch that.
1: Honestly, I just keep coming back to the idea of like this is an experience. Not only in the sense of like, oh, it's something different and, you know, it has a lot of ups and downs and puts you on like a roller coaster ride. Um, but the fact that it is relatively following like the real-time events happening, like on this one night does give it that very warm and cozy kind of feeling i mean when i read that you know this film was originally a theater play it's like oh yeah i can i can see that i can see you know you getting the various sets of the rooms of the house mm-hmm. like we I have a scene here a scene in there um we didn't really talk about it but like the the ending scene at the zoo like mm. just the Weird escalation of like this is how we're gonna get rid of the <laughs> the boxes like that was really amusing and a weird way it was reminding me of like Rocky 2 when they were like proposing in front of the tigers <laughs> but now they're throwing you know all these presents with like body parts at them yeah,
0: that's what I think when I watch French cinema Rocky two Rocky two hey tiger you come to the wedding
1: is Rocky two a good movie or not. I've only seen it once. I've only seen it all the Rocky films once. So. Uh,
0: me too. I think I've seen Rocky 1 more than once. but
1: I've seen Rocky 1 like one and a half times. But that's uh, Rocky
0: it. 2 is the one where I keep forgetting what happens in it the most. Maybe because, I don't know. We'll maybe one day do Rocky 2. I don't he know. He
1: proposes to Adrian in front of a tiger and then he invites the tiger to the wedding. Who does he fight in that one? Uh, the guy from the first film, but he wins this time.
0: Oh, there we are. That's the difference. You mean uh, Apollo? Mm-hmm. He fights our good friend uh, Carl Weathers. So that is all we have for you now. I recommend it by when. Way. Oh, thank you. You do. You mm-hmm. do recommend? Yes, pool? I do. Uh, Christmas watch with your parents uh, Bartek you get your dad to come down here get (laughs) your mum to come over there you watch it together and your brother is sitting in the corner rocking back and forth singing the Santa Claus song from uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians that's going to be Bartek's family Christmas this year because he recommended this movie Uh, my mum might like it. Your mum may like it. Now, for for my recommendation next episode, well, I want to preface that we're going to be taking a bit of a break. It's that time of year. We're going to just lay, be comfortable, lay back. The first episode enjoy. of
1: 2023.
0: 2023. Uh, I'm taking us back to Thailand. Ooh. I'm taking us to the first Thai movie that I have ever watched, which is Tears of the Black Tiger, which... Is a rather interesting little film from, I want to say, 2000 or 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's quite a popular little movie. So check it out. Find it wherever you can. Uh, It's going to be an interesting discussion. To the Uh,
1: characters from this film, that film's from the future.
0: It is from the future for them. And for us, it's like equally in the past. (laughs) Ah, Oh, it was right after Y2K. But uh, make sure to give that a watch. In the meantime, you can also contact us right before 9 11. <laughs> right before 9 too. They could have stopped it uh, right before Zoolander came out. <laughs> Rodriguez got real mad.
1: If you want to stop 9 11, please email spitandpolishedpresents at gmail.com.
0: Is it that or spitandpolished at gmail.com? Did I say
1: presents? Mm-hmm. Ooh, Ryan in editing. Either cut it out or make it much louder.
0: Or <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it a wah wah sound afterwards. Or <laughs> we'll play it again and again, like I just yeah. keep repeating it and it gets louder and louder and louder yeah. until it yes. blows out the It air. is spitandpolished at gmail.com. You can follow us on social medias under spit and Polish Presents. Uh, we are on uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, where we post on there, you can interact with us and recommend movies to us. If you have a movie that you think we would enjoy or one that you want to hear our thoughts on, just shoot us a message on social media or at that email address and we'll put it into our list. Again end of year and we're going to be starting a new year. We want some new movie recommendations it will be nice We're uh, our list is actually getting shorter and shorter because you've all been good children and we've been marking you off the list <laughs> uh, that is that is great but Vartek uh, I've got to go now it's
1: <laughs> okay bye <laughs> bye
0: sorry were you setting something up (laughs) I was gonna say I'm gonna kill myself but you know that's fine too
1: (laughs) oh press the button (laughs) oh fuck guys next episode we're not doing the Thai
0: film because there's no Ryan